If you were with us last Sunday evening, uh, you'll know that we took a whistle-stop tour across the New Testament to consider uh, the role of church elders. Uh, why uh, are the qualifications that are given, given? Uh, you notice how they focus on the character of those who are to serve, that it's far much more about the, the kind of men they are to be than the great things that you might envisage they will do. And uh, we looked at that, and there was a little sheet available last week, there are still some on the table at the back, uh, with many of the scripture references uh, about the role of elders and, uh, and their function uh, within the church, what they do, how they're to serve, and so on. So that sheet is still available if you didn't take one, and that will be of help to you. And it's important to emphasise again that when Paul writes both to Timothy and to Titus uh, regarding as to uh, what needs to be looked at in any man who might serve as an elder, the overriding issue is, is one of his character. And one of the important factors in any local church is always going to be the relationship between its elders and its church members. And so I want to look this evening at what the Bible has to, to say to us to help us in this particular uh, question. Uh, how, how does it work, or how should it work, between elders and members in a local church? Well, we saw last week, uh, for one thing, the elders are to be as shepherds over a flock. Even though they oversee the church, they are to do it as servants to the church and of the church. They're to do it willingly. They're not to do it for any kind of personal gain. They're not to lord it over the members. Uh, an elder is not like your boss at work or like a military officer over the junior ranks and everyone must simply do whatever they say. That's not the kind of picture that's being painted for us at all. That's not the kind of authority that church elders have. Well, how should this actually work in practice? Well, let's consider it uh, under a couple of headings and let's begin by thinking about what it means about elders overseeing the church. Elders overseeing the church. It's important to remember that as the under-shepherds, under-Christ, the role and authority of the elders is, above everything else, a spiritual authority within the local church. It's to establish and maintain the biblical and doctrinal position of the church and to bring all of the scriptures to bear upon all of us, upon themselves and upon everyone else in the church. In many ways, much of the role of elders reflects the role of the Old Testament prophets. In this regard, the role of the elders one of the key roles of the elders is to say to the gathered church, thus says the Lord. Uh, but we do it not through some kind of immediate divine inspiration that comes to us from God. We do it with an open Bible, thus says the Lord. This is one of the key roles of an elder in the church. It's not exclusive to church elders. That's one of their key roles. Thus says the Lord. 
and having established the truth of the matter, then to do as much as can be done both as an example and in exhortation uh, to put into practice the truths and the principles that are revealed in God's word. So in 1 Timothy 4, uh, Paul says this, be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. But what kind of example? Well, the kind of example that we read about in the Bible. What the Bible says a Christian should be. What the Bible says a follower of Christ should be. What the Bible says a child of God looks like. Till I come to you, says Paul, give attention to reading. It's all about this book. To exhortation, to doctrine. And this is the primary means by which the elders oversee the church. It's through the word of God. And, as we saw last week, it's to be a prayerful role. It's to be done prayerfully. We are to follow after the example of the apostles who said that they would give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Perhaps uh, one event which helps to demonstrate uh, the nature of the authority of elders is found in Acts chapter 15. There was a very considerable dispute in the early church. Uh, many of those early Christians, of course, were Jewish converts. And many of them, of course, then came uh, with all of their Jewish tradition, all of their knowledge of the Old Testament, and uh, what God required of his people under the Old Covenant. They came with all of that. And there was very considerable dispute amongst them about the place and the necessity of circumcision within the church under Christ. Of course, this, is, this has been their tradition now for, for several thousand years, and what are we to do with it? How is such a matter to be decided? Well, we see in Acts chapter 15 uh, that it's left to the elders, although at that point, of course, the, the apostles were still there, so it was the apostles as well as the elders, but surely the principle still stands. We read in Acts 15 verse 6, the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. So here we have one of the important functions of elders within churches. They, they are to sit down with an open Bible and consider these matters. And then in the following chapter, Acts chapter 16, where we read about Paul and Silas, and it says this, As they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So we see that God uh, gives to these men who are set aside for this task within the church, he gives to them the responsibility for opening up the Bible and discovering there the truth of God's word, discovering there through the scriptures the will of God for his people, and then to take that to God's people and say, thus says the Lord, and this is, this is our understanding of it, and this is our application of it, and this is how you are to believe it and understand it and put it into practice in your own life. 
we see the nature of the authority which is borne by those men appointed to this leadership role in the church. First and foremost, it's an, it's an authority which establishes and declares and teaches and maintains proper Christian doctrine drawn from the Word of God. This is the kind of authority that the elders are to exercise within a local church. The principle is confirmed, for example, in the letter to the Hebrews in chapter 13, where we read this at verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Those who rule over you, that can sound a little stern on some ears perhaps. On some ears perhaps it might sound a little worrying, a little concerning. They, they rule over us? Well, yes, but it, that phrase, who rule over you, is immediately followed by who have spoken the word of God to you. There is an authority attached to eldership, but it's not the kind of authority that just makes its own decisions on a matter and then which lays down its own demands. The rule that is exercised by elders in local churches comes in the form of making clear what the Bible teaches and in bringing biblical counsel. It's an authority which operates by bringing the word of God to bear upon Christ's church. This authority is about exhorting an active submission to the word of God. But the New Testament makes clear that the elders are also to function in a, in a position of authority in the sense that they have a, a trusted, what we might want to call, a supervisory role in the life of the church. Now we'll see later that much of what elders are exhorted to do isn't actually exclusive to the elders, not at all. After all, when the Bible says, for example, that the apostles gave themselves to the word and to prayer, I'm sure you've never taken that to mean that the rest of the church doesn't need to bother praying or reading or studying the word. Of course not. But the elders must be. The elders must be setting the example and the tone and the course in these kinds of things. But the elders, in terms of having an authority in the church, it comes through, number one, through the, the proclaiming of God's word and bringing God's word to bear upon the, all of the Lord's people. But the elders also have this kind of authority in that they are to be seen as men in whose trusted hands things may be committed. And the church is simply content to know that such things are in the hands of the elders. And actually, that's enough. That's not to say that the elders just take over everything, can decide everything, not, not at all. But think of the issue of the example 
in 1 Timothy 3 that Paul gives, how a man has been in his own home as head of the family. That's given as one of the qualifications for those who will serve as elders. Um, does a father have to involve his children at every single point over every single decision uh, that he takes within his home? Uh, not at all. He, he carries a personal responsibility which is his to bear, which is his to exercise. And there's a degree in which that is true of the elders in churches as well. So, for example, uh, we read this in Acts chapter 11. The disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief. They're sending a monetary gift to the brethren in Judea. This they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Paul. The elders received the gift. The elders are trusted to deal with that gift and to ensure that it's administered in a correct and a proper way. This is why character features so prominently in the list of qualifications that these men must have. So the elders oversee and rule the church by means of proper and faithful preaching and teaching of the Bible and bringing out its application and as being those in the church who are trustworthy. They're able to take responsibility for certain matters within the life of the church. And the church are happy and, and trusting that, that those things will be done wisely and well and in a Christ-like way. So, for example, this morning, uh, the message this morning contained this strong exhortation that you are all to be as little children. But that wasn't my own invention. That wasn't the latest thing that I've thought up. That wasn't because I enjoy telling you what, what to do and having you all do as I say. Not at all. It's rooted in and comes from God's Word. And it goes out as an exhortation from the Word. I'm able to stand and say, this is how you should be. And this is what you should do, but only to the degree that the Bible says it. And on that basis, it's on that basis the Bible speaks of church members being in submission to the elders in the church. It's because the elders are bringing the word of God to bear upon the church. And so this is their authority and this is their, this is their function within the life of the church. But of course all of this raises questions about the issue of authority and submission. How does this all work? So here's a second point for us to think about, authority and submission. What's that like in a local church? What should that look like? Well, we read, didn't we, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 12, we urge you, brethren, recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 
The elders are over you. Scripture says that. But in what way? Is it like the drill sergeant who, when he demands that a soldier jumps, the soldier must ask how high, as the old saying goes? No, they are over you in the Lord. They are placed there by Christ for your good. They're put there to admonish, and that means striving to bring your life into alignment with the truths and the principles of God's Word. To say, this is how God has revealed himself to be. These are the commandments and the exhortation that God brings us in the Bible. Now, this is how we all need to be living. Bringing all of our lives into conformity with the teaching. To bring your life into conformity with the teaching of the elders in a biblical church is to bring your life into conformity with the will of God. Because this is the pattern and flow within the life of the church. And understanding how this ought to work uh, ought to be of great help uh, in all of these things. In Hebrews 13 we read, Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive. Again, so that kind of language, that might grate against some people. Obey, rule over, submit. can all sound rather harsh. But we can need to keep on reading. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. So any authority that the elders have within the life of the church, in the exercising of that authority, elders don't do this because we get some sort of kick out of it. This is to be done solemnly. This is to be done under God. It's the spiritual well-being of the whole church which is at stake here. And Christ will hold those elders accountable as to how they have acquitted this monumental task and responsibility that God has given them. And it's for your spiritual good that you should be submissive to them. Obey those who rule over you, be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. This is good for your soul. This is all part and parcel of what we mean when we talk about the means of grace that God has given us. This is some of the mechanics as to how it all works within the life of a local church. It's for your spiritual good that you should be submissive to the elders as they are bringing God's word to bear upon you in order that your life might be brought into alignment with the will of God. And this isn't, this isn't some kind of power play like it often is in the world. Now that I'm in charge, we get to do things my way. No, that's not it at all. We're all under Christ. It's all in the Lord. And the goal is to ensure actually that Christ is in charge through his word.
and that everything is being done his way. That's what eldership in a local church is all about. That he is truly, we've just sung, the Lord is king. That he is king over all of our lives. That he is ruling and reigning, reigning over his church. How we need you to pray for us. What an awesome task this is. And Scripture's talking about esteeming elders. Now, elders are not to be esteemed because there is something intrinsically worthy and honourable in us which merits some higher form of praise or note that isn't found in any other kind of church member. That's not what it's saying at all. Elders are to be esteemed because of the role that they play. Elders are to be esteemed because of what Christ was wanting to do through them for your good. It's because of that which God has given them to do. Because of the things that God desires to achieve through such men in his church. This is God's means of being at work in all of us in the church. These men are instruments of Christ amongst his people through whom he wants to work in a particular way. And so all members in the churches are urged to esteem them in order that you may be of a good mind and a good attitude towards them and thereby you will gain the maximum possible benefit from their ministry of the word of God to you. This is how Christ has structured his church to function and to grow. And it's important to be seeing all of these things through the proper lens or else you will have a completely distorted view of what it is that elders are placed in churches for. But it's important to remember and the passage that we read in 1 Thessalonians 5 is, is very, very helpful in this regard as well. There are very many things which are the duty of the whole church. The elders do have a particular role and function to play. But there are many things which are the duty of the whole church. Lots of the things which are said in the context of church elders are also addressed to all of us corporately. And we all have a responsibility for it. We all have a part to play in these things. And compared to the references that I could quote about the relationship between elder and church member, there are far more times, far more times, when we discover one little two-word phrase. And it's this one another one another you got one of these really helpful modern digital bible bible concordances you can just type in the two words one another out will come the references all through the new testament one another one another one another one another So we read, for example, Acts 15, it pleased the apostles and elders 
with the whole church. Everyone was actually involved. Everyone had a place and a role. So many one another's. We being many were one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honour, giving preference to one another. Be of the same mind toward one another. Let us not judge one another anymore, but resolve rather not to put a stumbling block in our brother's way. May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, Romans 15, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Admonishment is not just the role of elders. We are all to admonish one another. 1 Corinthians 12, there must be no schism, no splits, no divisions in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. I can go on and on and on. Here's some just from Ephesians chapter 4. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Put away lying. Let each of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Ephesians 5, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. And that passage we read in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 there, we have those verses, verse 12, recognize those who labor among you uh, in the Lord and admonish, admonish you, esteem them. But then from verse 14, there's a whole load of exhortations that come to the whole church to every single one of us to take heed of and put into practice and employ in the life of the church. Now we exhort you, brethren, everybody, the whole church, warn those who are unruly. Now, if you've got a bit of a thing in the bee in your bonnet about, about elders, you might, want, you might be thinking, well, no, that's the, that's the kind of thing elders do. That's for everybody to do. Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil. Always pursue what is good. This is for everybody. This is the one another of church life that comes across again and again and again. And one of the things about having elders in the church is it doesn't let you off the hook for taking responsibility for the welfare of one another in the life of the church. All those one another passages make it so plain that all of us have this duty to each other. And there aren't really any areas of responsibility that elders have over the whole church that you also cannot exercise to one another in the Lord. Even in matters of discipline. When the frequent question is asked, what are the elders doing about it? But the Bible would first put the question to every member. What have you done about it? 
So we have Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 5. I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Rakar, which is just to call someone worthless, they'll be in danger of the council. Whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way and you sort it out. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You must do it. You must go to them. You must seek to be reconciled. What have you done about it? The question must be asked. And then there's that well-known passage in Matthew 18 where Jesus again is teaching. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go, tell him his fault between you and him alone. Just the two of you. If he hears you, you've gained your brother or your sister. If he won't hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he, hear, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Well, then you can get the elders involved. If he refuses to hear even the church, let him be to you like a heathen tax collector. Take it to your brother. Go to your brother. Go to your sister. Sort it. Deal with it. In 21st century Liverpool, the answer is not take it to the WhatsApp group. Now, they can be good and they can be really helpful. They can have their place. They can be of much benefit. But will you please see that this one, this one another ministry in the church is of huge importance. One another, one another, one another. And as much as we're emphasising the necessary role of elders in the church, and the elders, of course, must all, with all of these one another's, the elders are on hand to help to bring biblical insight and counsel and, and guidance, to be praying and teaching the word, to bring things to the church if that becomes necessary. So much of our walking together in Christ also depends upon these one another exhortations in the word. And we're, we're considering these things just for these few weeks because God would have us function in his church his way. And that's what this is all about. So that the means of grace that he's given us with his word with being members in a local church and what that involves and what that means and what that entails, that these means of grace he's given us might all gain the greatest traction in our hearts and in our minds and that they, almost, they will all take the greatest effect within us all because we're seeking to structure everything within the life of the church the way God would have us structure it and, and work it all together. So the role of elders is really important 
and the, and the Bible speaks very clearly on this issue. Uh, but at the same time, it's really important to emphasize, I believe, this, this one another aspect of living within the church of Christ. Uh, this duty and responsibility in Christ that we have to one another for our spiritual welfare and good. And I trust that together the Lord will really help us as we spend time just considering his word, uh, the way it applies in the life of local churches such as our own, uh, that the Lord will help us all to, to have tender hearts, uh, submissive spirits, teachable minds, uh, that we might uh, walk together as a faithful, joyful, believing group of Christian people to the glory of our God and Saviour. And all of these things are brought to us because uh, there is one who has paid such a great price. And it's, it's very apt and helpful, I think, that we're going to conclude this evening sharing around the Lord's table because it reminds us that in all of these things, uh, we are all of us looking away from ourselves and we're looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and we're remembering that everything that we have as the Lord's people, everything that we have as individual believers, everything that we have as a local church is all on account of what Christ has done for us and it's all for him and it's all to him and it's all for his glory uh, and that growing up together into him is what must be our chief concern. And we want to do that to the best that we possibly can. And so in order to do that, we open up our Bibles and we ask ourselves a simple question. How does God say it ought to be amongst us and between us? Let's seek to do it his way. That we might love and exalt our Saviour. Well, the Lord help us and bless us. The next week, God willing, we'll conclude this little mini-series by considering the, the place and the work of deacons within the life of Christ's church. But let's conclude our thoughts this evening as we turn our attention to Christ himself and as we remember that all that we have is because of him. We're not just some club. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ.